0: The Word of God for our meditation today, our gospel lesson recorded in Matthew chapter twenty-five. In the name of him who is the giver of every good and perfect gift,
1: your fellow redeemed. Tell me, do you think God cares about how you treat other people? Sure, he does.
0: Jesus sums up the second table of the law by saying, love your neighbor as yourself.
1: Okay. You think God cares about how you think, what you desire?
0: Yeah, he does. He devotes two commandments to the sin of coveting, wanting things that aren't yours. Okay, one more. Do you think God cares about how you spend your money, does God take an interest in the items on your credit card bill or the balance in your bank account? There's a little voice inside of all of us that says, oh, I don't think God needs to care about that. God's got more important things to worry about. God, God should be concerned about like, where I spend eternity, not where I spend
1: my paycheck, As appealing as that thought is, it's wrong. The
0: fact is, God does care about where we spend our paycheck because it may well affect where we spend our eternity. That's why Jesus isn't afraid to talk about money. Some have calculated that Jesus spent more time talking about money in his earthly ministry than he talked
1: about prayer, or faith, or heaven, or hell. Why is that? Because
0: Jesus really isn't concerned about money. He's concerned about hearts. Jesus knows that one of Satan's most powerful tools to pull us away from 100% devotion to God is by filling our hearts with a love for money and, and what money buys for us. Money can become the idol that separates us from God forever. That's why Jesus tells the parable that he does here in our text for today. Today we want to take a little closer look at this parable and try to figure out where we fit in the parable that we might call the parable of the master's money. The words we have before us were spoken by Jesus to his disciples just days before he died. He's preparing them for life after he's gone, He's teaching them about how to live their lives in that time period between Jesus' ascension into heaven and the time that he returns again as judge, which, if you think about it, is the time we're living in right now, which is why these words apply to us too. Jesus begins with these words, again, it... It, namely, that time between Jesus' first and second coming, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, if you're like me, the first time you heard those words, you thought... You know, I I don't remember a, a parable about bags of gold. That's because most translations, older translations especially, would typically use the word here for bags of gold, talents. The parable of the talents, which oftentimes led people to think, "Oh yeah, Jesus is talking about the the gifts, the abilities that God gives to us." And while that's certainly true, that God gives us a lot of talents, a lot of gifts. That's really not what the master is giving here. In in the original language, this word talent referred to a a sum of money. A a, a talent was equal to 6,000 denarii. And a denarius was the the wage that a person would make in one day. And so a talent was basically the amount you could earn over the course of about 19 years, which means in, in modern day terms, the master is giving to his servants between 500000 and $3 million. In other words, this is not chump change. This is a major, major gift that he is giving to them. But notice... It's all still his money. It's not for them to use however they wanted. He's simply entrusting into, his, into their hands something that belongs to him. So the question is, and this is always the question with a parable, is so what does it mean, right? If, if a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning or a spiritual meaning, so what's the meaning? How, how does this apply? Who, who, who are these people? Well, I, I think you know. The, the, the master, the man who went on a long journey, of course, is Jesus. After his ascension, and yet he he's coming back a, as judge. And the servants, well, those are the people who have received from God a, a, a treasure... Uh, including a financial treasure, which means he's talking about people like you and me. Isn't that right? I mean, you talk about treasures that God has given us. You you realize that if if you start working at age 18 and you work till you retire at 65 and you make, say, $30,000 a year, God will have entrusted into your hands over $1.4 million dollars. And if you've got more abilities and God gives you more opportunities, you might earn two or three or four times that amount. That means that's a whole lot of bags of gold that God has dropped into our hands. And yet, just like those servants, it's really not our money. Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That means every dime we possess is actually a a trust that God has given us. You you think about that a minute. God trusts you with his money. I don't know about you, but that, that creates a number of emotions in my heart. The first one is kind of like, surprise, maybe disbelief. Really? God, are you kidding me? <laughs> you are going to trust me with your money? <laughs> have you seen my track record? <laughs> have, have you seen some of the stuff that I've spent money on? <laughs> I, if, if I were you, <laughs> I don't think I would be trusting me with your money.
1: I, I, I'm like a, a bad investment. Why does God do that?
0: Why why does God seemingly, when it comes to you and me, throw good money
1: after bad? For the same reason that he keeps forgiving our sins, even though we keep sinning. It's all because of God's
0: grace. God's undeserved love. Everything we have, we did not earn. God gives it to us purely by grace, which really leads to a second emotion, namely gratitude. God, thank you. Thank you for pouring out your blessings into my life. Thank you for giving me far more than than I need to survive. In in fact, when I I think about the fact that this is all your money, it, it brings out one more thought, and that's a feeling of responsibility. God, what do you want me to do with this? How should I use it? To answer that question, we go to the second part of the parable, where Jesus tells us what the servants did with their master's money. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the man who received two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Notice that the first man, without hesitation, invests the money, puts it to work. Same thing for the second man. Without wasting time, without wasting money, they invested in a way that that creates a return on the investment, right? In a word, you'd say they were faithful with their use of their master's money. So what's the application for our lives? I think you realize God, God wants us to be faithful with the money that he's entrusted to us. He wants us to use it in a way that would be pleasing to him. Whether that's providing for our families, caring for their needs, whether it's helping meet the needs of other people, especially their spiritual needs. God wants us to invest it in in ways that have an impact on people's lives, not just on this side of the grave, but on the other side too. Isn't that the point that Jesus made in his parable of the shrewd manager? Remember what Jesus said at the end of that parable? I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, they will welcome you
1: into eternal dwellings. What did Jesus mean by that? Doesn't he mean, use your
0: money to support forms of gospel ministry so that more people will learn about Jesus and come to faith in him so that when they die, they'll be waiting for you when you come to heaven and they'll say, thank you. Thank you for what you did to bring Jesus to me. Talk about an investment that pays dividends, dividends in terms of eternal souls, one for Christ. That's the kind of investment
1: that the master commends his servants for. When the
0: first servant comes and shares that it's brought in more bags of gold, what does the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness He says the same thing to the second servant. But when that third servant comes, who buried the gold in the ground, what does the master say? You wicked, lazy servant. Take the bags of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
1: Tell me, is there... A real-life parallel for the fate of this man. Yeah, it's called
0: hell—eternal separation from God. But notice what it is that sent him into the darkness. Was it that this man was robbing people blind? This man was a drug dealer, getting people hooked on opioids.
1: This—this this guy was a child molester, a porn addict. No. This man's offense, he received a gift from God and he did nothing with it. He he has no gratitude to the giver. He doesn't feel
0: compelled to to use it, to put it to work. In, In fact, he... He, he, he blames the master. He, he criticizes him. He accuses him of being mean, being too demanding, expecting too much of him. What, what's the, the, the servant say? Master, you, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. The master's response he basically calls the man's bluff. He said, if you, if you really were afraid of me, that should have motivated you to do something. But no, you didn't. You don't care about anybody but
1: you. You are a lazy servant. So who is that servant? Could it be you? You? Or me? God has given us a bag of gold. The question is, what, what have we done with it? Did, did, did we
0: bury it in, in the ground of our own self-indulgence? Did we invest in just a, a higher lifestyle? Or did we trim back our material wants so that we could invest more of it in people's eternal needs including our own are are we pouring our time
1: and talents and treasures into things that impact people's lives forever
0: This week would be a good week to think about those questions. To, to do a little self-evaluation, a little audit of the blessings that God has given. To help you do that, watch for a letter in your mailbox or inbox that has a tool to help you reflect on, on the blessings that God has entrusted into your hands
1: and what you've done with them. As you think about this parable, you realize
0: that the only thing that keeps you and me from becoming that lazy servant
1: is God's love in Christ for us. Jesus Christ gave his life
0: for you and me. He he spilled blood on the cross to make us right with God, to forgive our sins. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he has made you and me new people. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a a desire to serve him. In, In a sense, God has transformed us from the lazy servant to the faithful one. That's how God now sees you in Christ. That's why he's entrusted you with his treasures. You and I have a desire to put that to work. God, God works that in our hearts. And we want to do that not because we have to, not because we're
1: afraid of what would happen to us if we don't. We do it because we want to, we, we want to someday hear our beloved Master say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. God grant it, for Jesus' sake, amen.